what's going on, everybody? My name is Reagan. My name is Victor. And welcome to Sanctified-ish, conversations with pastors who have not figured it out. Last week, our church did something really cool. They did something really awesome, and they took all of the staff members that we have on our church, and they took us on a retreat. It was super fun, super filling, and there was something at our retreat, like during one of the sessions that the pastor said, and he said something along the lines of like, we need to have uncommon communion with Jesus, right? Yeah. And I was fired yeah. up. It was kind of like your camp high, right? For you middle and high school students, y'all go to camp, you come back, you're fired up. That's kind of how I was coming yeah. home from the staff retreat. I was fired up, ready to have uncommon communion with God. I opened my Bible and Reagan and I and a couple guys were in the, the year in the Bible on the uh, Bible app and I'm ready to read and I open to the page for that day and we are in First Chronicles and I have 18 chapters of genealogy and i'm like man i really can't have uncommon <laughs> communion how am Take i supposed Lord. to spend time with jesus when i read about how methuselah lived for yeah. 900 years like what does that have to do with my uncommon communion with jesus and man it was tough yeah. i was hit with the, a truck <laughs> the the lord really tests you like people think it's leviticus <laughs> nah bro it's chronicles it's chronicles um, yeah it's it's, chronicles. it's it's chronicles man you get deep into the uh you get deep into the chronicles like it's literally yeah it lets you know straight off the bat this is what we're about um bro i literally i think it was like first chronicles six and that's all it was that day i'm like i opened it up and i read it was like okay we got a genealogy oh we got another genealogy another genealogy <laughs> that's the end of the text all right lord um literally on, the, on this on this little bible app like our friend group can like we, we write down like what did we learn for the day yep. i think one of our friends just put like a receipt emoji <laughs> it's just like it's just receipts that's it that's all we it did is. it yeah, yeah man it it's brutal it's so tough and i think this is a perfect kind of like transition into what we want to talk about this week and it's like man there are parts of the bible especially genealogies that are so difficult to get through like man the bible is meant to fill you up to bring mm -hmm. you closer to jesus and at first glance can i from from a perspective oftentimes of me and i know from a lot of other people yeah. man it just doesn't feel like genealogies get me closer to jesus um yeah and so i've just had to reshape my perspective so that's what we're going to talk about today um you, hopefully it you helps what, you do you know what genealogies are like you know like when you read a book and somebody quotes another book in the book like they put that little small mm -hmm. indented section bro ain't nobody reading that <laughs> and like i i literally read a book one time <laughs> Maybe it was one that you sent me, but it was like, I skipped over the quote. I'm like, I'm not reading that. And the next <laughs> sentence was, I know you didn't read that quote. Go back, go back, <laughs> go back and read that. And I'm like, man, that's what genealogies are in the Bible. Yep. I'm like, ain't nobody reading this. Yep. No one cares about your family tree. Um, but here's the thing. If we take the Bible seriously, where it says every part of scripture is profitable for teaching, then man, that means genealogies are in there for a reason. Yeah. And there's actually a really, really beautiful way not even just one way there's multiple ways the lord uses genealogies throughout scripture to explain what he's doing in his heart and even just thread the narrative of the bible all throughout mm -hmm. so i think today one we're just gonna complain about genealogies because they're just like <laughs> the biggest just pain to read through uh but i think we're also just gonna try to thread the narrative of scripture through a couple examples of genealogies and man we think it's gonna be a really good time 
Yeah, it's genealogies really help us with our biblical theology. What biblical theology is, is biblical theology is just the literally the entire picture of the Bible. When we have a biblical theology, we're talking about Genesis, Revelation, the entire story and narrative of the Bible. And what genealogies do is they connect us from A to B, B to C, C to D. Mm-hmm. They get us from one point to another. They catch us up in the story. I was reading Genesis 4 today. And in Genesis 4, there's this genealogy. You have Methuselah, you have Lamech, and then you have Noah, and then you have the flood. That's when Jesus is like, that's when God's like, hey, yeah. I'm going to flood the earth. Judgment's coming because of your wickedness. And I, I started thinking to myself, what reason is there for that paragraph of genealogy? Why Methuselah, Lamech, and then Noah? Like, why include that? And then in the sermon this last weekend, we had a guest speaker. He came in and he basically was like, hey, when God is described in the book of Exodus, the first describer that God uses for himself is that he's rich in mercy and full of grace. He's slow to Mm. anger. And I'm like, oh, he's slow to anger. Let me go back to Genesis 4. And what I realized is Methuselah is the dude that lived the longest in all scripture. Dude lived like 969 (laughs) years. Then you have Lamech. Which also sounds awful. Yeah. Who wants to be alive for that long? (laughs) That sounds awful. I don't know. I can't. That sounds awful. Lamech, 777 years. And then Noah, 500 Mm. years. What I realized... That genealogy helped me see the slowness to anger of God. Because Mm. in those, what, almost 2,000 years, did God give his creation the opportunity to turn from their wickedness? And then that 1,800-year mark hit, and God was like, hey, like, although I am slow to anger, I am also just and righteous, and we must start over. So Noah, construct this ark. So the genealogy made God's slowness to anger so much more beautiful to me, but I would have never seen that if I had just skipped that first part of Genesis four. Well, I'll even like double down on this. Like this is probably, I wouldn't count this as a genealogy, but this is just like God's receipts. Uh, Joshua 15 through 21 just describes the land allotted to each tribe of Israel Bro, super boring. Like, it's like literally, a deed. tribe of Benjamin. <laughs> here's, yeah, yeah, bro. It's like, okay, uh, you go out there to that little tree. That's yours. Four hundred cubic feet that way. That rock. That's yours. Uh, Judah, you got that little pond down there. Like, they're just for six chapters. They're just talking about where we're all gonna fit in this land, and it's so fascinating because you get to Genesis or not Genesis. You get to Joshua twenty-one, and the culmination of all of this is like, Israel's finally in the land. And not one word of the promise that the Lord had made to Israel failed. Hmm. And it all came to pass. And like when I was reading that, it clicked. I'm like, oh, they're talking about Genesis 15 when God takes Abraham out. And he says, Abraham, look up at the stars. Like those stars are going to be your descendants. And oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to give them a land. And from Genesis 15 all through Joshua 21, we're talking about the Lord's faithfulness to Israel and Israel's unfaithfulness to the Lord. Like they were supposed to go into the the promised land, defeat the Canaanites. They saw that they were huge. They didn't trust the Lord. Like all of these things, Joshua 21, boom, they're finally in the land. But it gives context to those six chapters of just like land allotments that we just skip over. But it's those things that give weight 
to, I'm like, no, every single one of those, man, promise fulfilled, promise fulfilled, promise fulfilled, promise fulfilled, promise fulfilled. Like these things that we oftentimes skip over in scripture, um, there's a lot of weight and meaning behind them. Yeah, it, it again, it reinforces this idea that the Bible is one work together, right? You would not have known the point of Joshua 15 to 21 if you were not aware of the promise that God gave to Abram and Abraham back in Exodus yeah. or Genesis, right? Like, like yeah. there's no, you wouldn't have been able to connect those dots if you didn't have a full picture of the narrative <laughs> of the Bible. Well, th- this is also why just like opening up your Bible to a random play- page and letting the Holy Spirit pick something for you doesn't work. Because, bro, sometimes you're going to end up in Joshua 16 and you're just going to read about the land allotment to the tribe of Benjamin. <laughs> I'm like, ain't, ain't, ain't nobody want to read about that, man. Like out, out of context, that's the most boring, dumb thing you're ever going to read in your entire life. But it's like it's actually only when in our reading, when we went from Genesis through Joshua that I'm like, oh, hmm. I see what they were doing. Oh, and that now connects. And so like, man, that's just like your plug for like, I know there are books of the Bible that are hard to get through. Matthew is a lot easier to read than Micah, but read through those harder books. And man, you're going to see the grander narrative in the, in the, in the picture of the story. Um, yeah. I, I do think even, even shifting gears, I think genealogies, like we have genealogies as like 21st century Christians. Mm. Um, it's just your family tree. And so like the Lord doesn't only work in genealogies and scripture, but he works in it in our life too. And Victor and I are both in student ministry. And so like one of the things that we hear a lot is just like, man, my testimony is boring. And I grew up in a Christian home. Like if I, if I go up to somebody and we're having that little Christian coffee date thing, we've all been there. It's like, Hey, so tell me your story. Tell me, tell me what. And, And the next word, I grew up in a Christian home. Yep. I grew up in a Christian home. That is like the stereotypical, just like, ugh, like way to start off a testimony. Yep. And we have students complain about that all the time. They've grown up in the church and that's their story. And that's my story. Vic, I know that's your story. Like there's beauty in that though. Yeah. Because I, I think I was telling a student one time that um, the fact that he grew up in the church. The fact that I grew up in the church, like, yeah, that's a boring story, but that's more of a testimony to the like generational faithfulness of God. That like, he was faithful to my family long before I ever came here. Like, it's not about me. It's not about how far I came or what I've done. Like, it's about the Lord's faithfulness through that. And actually in my family, like my, my middle name is Cadman. And that's a family name that was passed down from generation to generation to generation where it's like the story goes, my great, great grandma or something like that was listening to some preacher named Parks Cadman on the radio. She got saved and then everybody else in my family got saved. And so like no one in my family has had to have a non-boring testimony since that day. And so we've just passed down that name from generation to generation, to generation. And like, yeah, my testimony is boring, but if you look at my genealogy, you can look at, you can see the faithfulness of the Lord. And then though, those are the things that genealogies do. They are carbon footprints of God's faithfulness. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really, I love that you brought that up because when I look back at like even my family history, I am so quick just to kind of like say, yeah, I grew up in a Christian family. And what I do in saying that is my attitude almost like negates the the faithfulness of God in my family. Like in Deuteronomy, there's a very clear call to parents, right? And then we yeah. see it again in Ephesians yeah. 5. And it's like, man, pr- 
praise God that if you are from a Christian family, like, man, that was the way God designed it to be. Praise God, you got to yeah, be a product of that. But even if you don't, like, the Lord wants to start with you so that hmm. your kids and their kids and their kids can look back and see, like, oh, I was listening to a preacher on the radio, came to know Jesus, yeah. and, like, that's how it sparked. And so... yeah. But when you view it from the new angle, when you view it from that new perspective, it should get you excited for what the Lord is doing, not only in your life, but has done in your parents, grandparents' lives, and potentially in your kids' and their kids' lives. Yeah. Bro, have you ever like wondered why Matthew starts off his gospel with a genealogy? Oh, yes. I'm like, it's literally like... It is the equivalent of starting off a sermon with great. Now here's the historical context of the place. Yep. Like, it's just like, no, there's no pizzazz. There's no like, yeah. like John, John, like in the beginning was the word and the word, like, that's like, not Matthew. Yeah. John starts with fireworks. It's yeah, like, bro. man, that's awesome. Yeah. Matthew's bro. like a history lesson. Literally verse one, Matthew, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. What an awful way to start a gospel. Like, but literally, okay, so like, think about this. What Matthew is doing is so beautiful, though, hmm. because he's literally looking at his Jewish audience. Everybody who would know, this this is all their grandmas, their grandpas, their great-grandma, like, this, this is all their lineage, and they know these stories. Hmm. They know these stories. So what he's doing is he's tracing back the birth of Jesus to people like David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah, his brothers, Judah, Perez, so on and so forth. And like my favorite thing in here, in here we see, uh, we see Boaz, we see Ruth, we yep. see David, and the wife of Uriah, a.k.a. Bathsheba. Hmm. All following down to Jesus. And you know what you can thread through every single one of those stories? God's generational faithfulness. Yeah. Every single one of those people messed up. Every single one. But like what, what Matthew is showing here is like, yes, like Jesus came through this line, but like humanity, Abraham, you messed up. David, Bathsheba, y'all messed up. Sarah, you messed up. Jacob, you messed up. The Lord was faithful to you. So what he's saying is, hey, humanity, you messed up. Adam, Eve, you messed up. Reagan, Victor, you messed up. Here's Jesus Christ. Yeah. And like he right off the bat, he's telling you not just the historical narrative of like where this guy came from, but why he's here and what he came to do. He came to be faithful to people who were never faithful to him back. And yeah. like it's we read it as just like a list of names. Hmm. But man, like the generational faithfulness of the Lord is threaded all throughout it. Yeah. And it also kind of goes to show none of these people were Jesus. Like none of these people could do or did do what Jesus was coming to do, right? Like, David yeah. was the father of Solomon. Well, guess what? David died. Solomon was the father. <laughs> guess what? Solomon died. Like, these people would go on to die and not fulfill the prophecies that Jesus said that he would come to fulfill. And then, so we have all these death certificates of all these people. And then we have Jesus who comes, lives the perfect life, fulfills the countless prophecies that he said he would fulfill and then rises on the third day. So for a Jewish audience reading this and seeing this, that it should be proof beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was who he said he was, yet they still missed it. 
Yeah. And that's the hard part. Would, Would you consider the book of life a genealogy? Yeah. More, more or less. Yeah. Cause I, I'm just looking, I'm like, all right, literally God's got a book of names, names of people. Like these, these are my children. Like even like if the it's just heavenly like genealogy. It yeah. 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 It's like the, these, these are my people and all these things. And it's like, again, it's the Lord will keep good records, but the records always have a point. Yeah. Um, ooh, and so man, ooh, I think our whole point with this is like, go ahead, go ahead. It's like, even with the book of life, this is where it gets so beautiful, right? It's a record, but man, like this record existed before we did. Like Ephesians 1 talks about how before the foundation of the world, God knew you. It's like this record, you were chosen. Like God looked at you in your brokenness and in your, and in your sin and in your shame and in your hurt and in your brokenness and said, man, I want to send my son to die for you despite all the crap that you're full of. And it's like this genealogy, this record of people is God not just saying, hey, I'll write your name down when when I get there. It's like God saying, no, I want you before you were even knitted together in your mother's womb. Like it is so beautiful. Yeah, I would 100 percent. I could call it a genealogy of like the the heavenly kingdom genealogy. Not not to get too reformed here. I don't want to steal your thunder. Um but what you just said pokes hole in the whole theology of I choose Jesus and accepting him into my heart. Mm. Like as this is, this is a little off track here, but I'm like, we see kids get saved in student ministry eight times in a row at eight different yeah. summer camps yeah. because they believe that they have to choose Jesus. And yes, there is a choice to follow him. There's For a sure. choice to pursue him, to take up your cross. But like the idea that you are accepting him into your heart and you have an act in your salvation goes against what you're just talking about in Ephesians. They're like, God shows you, he yeah. drew you. And like, you, you don't, it's not 99% God and 1% you. It's like the Lord draws you in. And like what happens with student ministry is like, okay, I accepted Jesus. I did this thing at a summer camp and then I forgot to choose him the rest of the year. So mm-hmm. I must therefore choose him again in the summer. And it, we just, it's this repeated cycle, yep. but bro, like the Lord is holding on to you. You're not holding on to him. And he's the same one who was faithful to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, so on, so on, and so on, and so mm-hmm. on. Like he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when he chooses you, he will not abandon you. Yeah. And like that theology is so persistent and just Southern cultural Christianity of even after you get saved, you still feel like you have to continue to continue to do something and continue yeah. to hold on, continue to work your way up, man. Um, like a healthy dose of predestination, I think would be good for cultural Christianity. <laughs> and I know that's Dude, probably your favorite sentence ever. It's, the thing that I realize about genealogy is when I, whenever I read the Bible, and I think I think this happens to a lot of people, the Bible's a really big book, right? But we often compartmentalize it into like a really small thing. Just like, okay, we have Adam and Eve, we have some like Israelites, they wandered around, then we have Jesus, he died, and then we have all of these letters to all these churches, and like that's the Bible. And that's kind of like what we mm-hmm. reduce it down to, but when we see literally the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, and it's 17 verses of Matthew just listing names. Mm -hmm. It gives us a broader picture of God's faithfulness from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, over the course of thousands 
of years, God is unchanging. And the same God that is unchanging, that remains the same today, yesterday, and forever, is the same God that wants to be relational with you. Like, y'all, that is mind-boggling when you think about it that way. All right. So genealogies aren't the worst thing in the world. And God's super faithful. Bro, what do do we do with this? Like, Mm. next time I see a genealogy, what do I do with this? Yeah, I was reading a book called Preaching by Tim Keller. It's a great book. It's obviously a book that's geared towards people who want to preach because of the name. Um, But he does something really cool in this book. He basically will give little, like, examples. And he'll say... You know, you have this one road in the middle of the city. You have all these like roads that come off the city. You can go down like a back alley, you take a left. But like at one point or another, that road has to get back to the main road. And that main road in the Bible is Jesus. And so when we're reading genealogies, we may be going down like all these side streets. You know, we may take a left and we may feel really far away from the main road that is Jesus. But if we think to ourselves as we're reading genealogies, like these point to the one who is coming, Jesus, Mm -hmm. then I think we interact with them differently. Right. Like, I think it Mm -hmm. causes us to worship, to like be thankful for God's faithfulness. But I don't think we approach genealogies that way. I think we approach genealogies of like how I approach reading a textbook for school. It's like reading the first sentence of the paragraph, (laughs) reading the last sentence of the paragraph and moving on. But it's like, no, like if we sit in these genealogies and they take a long time to read and that's just a taste of God's faithfulness over the long term, that is all of history. Um, And so I think we just have to approach genealogies with the perspective of men like these point back to Jesus They point forward to Jesus. How is that then going to cause me to respond in worship and thanksgiving? Well, I think, bro, if you really want to get like honestly personal with this. Okay. So you, you just mentioned like when you read through these genealogies, it's like, it takes you a long time to read it. It took God an even longer time to be faithful in it. And so it's just like, you can take the five minutes to read through it. But I think oftentimes, man, okay, it's been like there are things in my life, there are things in your life that like we're waiting on the Lord for. And man, there was something in my life I was waiting on the Lord for like three and a half years. And I was just like, this feels long. Yeah. Like, where are you? Have you stopped being faithful? And when you talk about like the dude who lived 950 years, three years of 950, and that's just one name and a long list that yep. is meant to show the faithfulness of the Lord. So I think my point in that is we think these, yes, these very real temporary sufferings feel much longer than what they actually are. But I think genealogies can serve as a reminder to us that yes, the Lord is faithful. And yes, the Lord has been faithful for a very, 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 very long time. And he yeah. has not failed once. So you may not feel it right now, bro. You may not feel it tomorrow. Um, but the overarching theme of the Lord and his character is faithfulness towards you. And that is never going to run out, man. That is like, even just having this conversation, it makes me like excited to jump back into Chronicles tomorrow. I'm sure I will feel very different tomorrow morning when I'm not, I'm not excited. I'm not not excited. (laughs) I'm like, man, Chronicles is tough. 
<laughs> throw, throw a psalm in there or something. I, okay, so the Bible app, the way they do this, okay, is th- it's a it's a curated list of scriptures, and so sometimes you'll have you know a couple passages and judges, but they'll toss you know Psalm one, Psalm twenty one, Psalm twenty three in there, and it you know it breaks up the the diff. But here we had like eight chapters of Chronicles. And I was just like, toss us a proverb, yeah. give us a psalm, something. <laughs> Bro, I, I know it's going to be a bad morning if I look and I see three chapters in Chronicles and like Psalm 23. And I'm like, oh, they just, they, they knew today's a bad day. They said they this one's going to be rough. A bad one. <laughs> <laughs> Psalm 23 will lighten the mood. Even, even yeah. when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yep. Yep. Here's well, your green pastures. Here, here's your green pastures. First Chronicles 1 through uh, 21 or however many chapters are in Chronicles. Y'all, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you got something out of today's episode. And hey, if you're working through the Bible's app, Bible plan in a year, and you are in Chronicles as well, hopefully tomorrow this can help you approach those genealogies yep. in a way that causes you to worship rather than to dread opening um, the scriptures. Also, Look at this, Reagan. Do you see this? You see this background here? If you're if you're watching the video podcast, I'm in a new place. New place. I got you're, RGB. You're, how how RGB, are we bro. talked about this yet? RGB. I oh yeah, I'm I not moved. Lie. I, I don't I don't know what that is. Red, green, blue. <laughs> <laughs> RGB. It's lights. It's they're lights that change colors. Is that not wait, are you? <laughs> Are you trying RGB. to say Roy G. Biv? <laughs> Bro, I, I've never... Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. RGB is just like I've, different I've, colored lights. That's the dumbest Anyways, thing I've ever heard in my entire I life. I moved. I'm in a, I'm in a totally did, new house. It, you did move. Yeah. Are you... Yeah. I'm like... <laughs> I'm so excited. It's great. We have two beds and two and uh, a half baths. Okay? We have a half bath. You know... It's, it's a big deal. You've started adulting. When you have a half bath, there are two things. This is what I told my wife. There are two things that prove you've started adulting. One is getting a mm-hmm. half bath. Two is mm. owning a coffee table. I think those two things kind of like prove that you've started adulting. You're halfway there. You have a coffee table. I was going to say, well, I own a coffee table and I just bought two uh, new bath towels just because. Oh, that's. I, I, I woke up. Wow. I, I, haven't even told, I haven't even told you about this. I haven't even told you about this. I, I went to Target and I was like, you know what? We need give some me bath that towels. navy blue bath towel. And as a matter of fact, give me the evergreen one. We're feeling wow. like wow. Okay. And no, I, I threw away the gray college ones. Um, I was like, it's it's time. It's been a couple it's years. It's time for something new. It's been a, it's been a couple years. I remember the last big milestone for you was the bath mat that we talked about on the podcast, probably like a mm. year ago. But you only bought one of them when. Most bathrooms have two, but that's okay. We're getting there. Uh, but now you have hand Wait, towels. Do, do, mo- do most bathrooms have two? Yeah, like the bath mat that goes right in front of like the shower. And then the sink. You put one right there. Yeah. What? Yeah, this should have been our intro because you put there are two that, bath mats that, that, standard. That, that feels excessive. I'm not saying that's wrong. That just feels excessive. Oh, no. No, no, no. It's excessive. 100%. That's like every suburban gated community like <laughs> bathroom. It's excessive. But that's, you know, that's what that's what some, happens. Some 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 of us don't live in suburban gated if, communities. Okay, so some of us have, are still out here 
in studio apartments. If right, you we, have, we, we get it. No, 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 no. You have RGB. Please, please. I'm so sorry. I'm, Bro, I'm so sorry. The, let me, the let me just. The, let me just bow down to you and the your two home, and a half bath. Two and a half bath, bro. Come on. We The townhome that we're in is literally like a football field away from our old apartment. It's in the same complex. Not, okay. not even. It's Yeah, it's like it's 50 feet. It's so close, um, which made the move really easy, but like more difficult than it should be too. It's kind of frustrating. Um, but yeah, we're here. New background. If you check out the video podcast, I got my Funko Pops on the wall. I got my hockey sticks behind me. We got the Tampa Bay Lightning over here, but you can't see it. Um, so maybe I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to design this space. So it should look cooler and cooler each and every episode. Guys, if y'all have any questions or concerns about today's episode, hit us up, sanctifiedish at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions about episodes that you want us to do or something that you think would be, yeah, just fun to ask us, hit us up and we will do our best to get back to you either via email or on a specific episode of the podcast. You can check Reagan and I out on social media at Reagan Jones 97 and at Rotsiv 157 and we will catch you guys in the next one. Until then, take care and God bless. Felicity and I don't have a coffee table though yet. So we're You'll only halfway there. to adulting. They'll get there. Maybe when you move out of your studio apartment, you can give us your coffee table. We'll see. <laughs>